and dark, frosty night. Do the actions if you want. There is a little church in the middle of the Surrey countryside with a rather badly lit curling path reaching to its door. And there is a young, love-struck couple, (laughs) hand in hand, slip-sliding up that very path towards the large church door. Through the doors, there's a a fading Christmas tree, despite being early December. A few people sitting on cold pews. And a very austere gentleman arises from the front and comes and stands with a great big eagle in front of him. He places his glasses carefully on the end of his nose and says the following things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, Word was the... Then came John, and he was the light. But he wasn't the light, but he was talking about the light because the light was to come after him, not because of the will of man, but because it's the light, full of grace and truth. And he sat down. And the loving young man, who was yours truly, turned to his wife, to be, (laughs) nearly, and said, I didn't understand a word of that. Do you find that there are some scriptures you just can't get your head around them? I've always found that difficult. I've always found John chapter 1, 1 to 14, people will tell you it's the most glorious scripture, the most wonderful truth, but it's blooming difficult to understand. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask Jesus to help us because there's some truth in there which I believe the Holy Spirit wants to highlight to us today. So, Lord God, we want to thank you for this Bible, this book which we believe you wrote. And, Lord God, we say, would you help us to understand the truth that you want to highlight to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. So let me read to you, John. It's John, it's in the Gospel, means it's near the back. It's one of the four... Uh, accounts of the life of Jesus. It's wonderful. You get four accounts of the life of Jesus, four different perspectives. No one has ultimate truth in their hand. Isn't it great? And Helen, if you could be so kind. Thank you so much. So if you don't have a Bible, then feel free to follow it on the screen. But hang on in there. Just hang on in there because it will make sense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who do you think the Word was? Jesus, that's right. Okay, that, 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 starts, that starts to make it a little bit easier. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus giving us life. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overcome it or overwhelmed it. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came to witness, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men may believe. You still with me, just? John came and said, Hey, this Jesus, he's the Son of God. Now, John himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Here's Jesus in the flesh coming into the world. Stick with me. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So although Jesus made this world, the world thought, who are you? Yeah? I looked this up in the message, but it was lost, I tell you. (laughs) Couldn't get it. But here we have um, in verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The word, Jesus, became flesh and lived here for a while amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, wait for it, full of grace and truth. I understood about 20% of it that time. So I very loosely, theologians, please forgive me, but I very loosely want to look at two aspects of the Word of God. The Word of God, firstly, the Bible, this thing you've got in your lap, and secondly, the Word of God Jesus, who became flesh and lived amongst us. It is really foundational to what we believe here as a church. We believe that God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus to you and me, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect union, all having the attributes, characteristics and nature of God. We may pay a big price for believing that one day, But that is what I believe, and that's what we as a church believe. Uh, Helen, if you could pick up 2 Peter 1, (laughs) whatever verses it is, 21, 20 and 21. There's a book near the back of the Bible, written by a chap called Peter, who knew Jesus pretty well. And he wrote this, he said, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this book, we believe, is inspired and written by men filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and this is God's, God's word to us. Now, back at the beginning of the Bible, there's five books. Can you remember what they are? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, Now, those are the first five books of the, the Bible. They've got a long word, which I'm not going to say, beginning with P, because I'm not a Baptist anymore. So. <laughs> but those are five books of the Bible. And, and at, the very beginning, at the very beginning of 
time before the Genesis tells us that God created the heaven and the earth and then he created man in his own image and then man being like me started going his own way sinning and getting it wrong and yet as we heard earlier God already had a plan to draw man back so he could have a relationship with man I through his son Jesus so he gave he gave a man called Moses the law basically the first five books of the Bible now Moses was supposed to lead the people of God into a land that God had promised them. He didn't quite make it, but he had a sidekick whose name was, wasn't Robin. It was <laughs> Moses and Robin. Yeah. Bam, zap. No, it was Joshua. And Joshua walked into this land and he had lots and lots of people to lead into this land. And God said to him, he said, you need to study my word. He said, this book of the law, i.e., those first five books, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, that I may make your way prosperous, and that you would succeed. Be strong and very courageous. I am with you. That's what God said to this man Joshua. So Joshua meditated, chewed over this word, the word of God that they had up until that point. And that gave him strength, and that gave him the energy and the hope and the faith to move on as God was calling him. Now, I know that some people on the internet, bless them, they have like thought for the day. You know, you, you can go to these websites and have thought for the day can come through. Or you pick up your Daily Mirror and Daily Mail or the Telegraph. And there's like a little thought for the day. You know, second place is the first loser. Think about that for the day, you know. And, and you can have all these sayings and, well, you know, management techniques they can be helpful but there's one thing that we should meditate on and that is God's word because that is truth that will give us life and that will give us energy come on David where's the amen that will give us life that will give us energy that will invigorate us because God's word is truth so Joshua as a young man was encouraged you've got all these people to lead but meditate on the word of God so Jesus who we heard about earlier Quite nice hearing about Jesus. When he was on the earth in the book of Mark, he talked about how we receive the word when we hear it. It's something that Derek was sharing with us at Family Zone recently. And uh, for those who know me well, know that I feel this is one of the most important scriptures that we have in the Bible. So if you'd like to turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're just going to go from verse 15 through to verse 20. And the context is, Jesus has been talking to people about a farmer sowing seeds. And in Jesus' time, the farmer would have a big bag of seed over his shoulder, and he would put his hand in the bag, and he'd lob it out, hand the bag. Is that all right? I'm getting broadcast all over. And he would throw the seed out. And Jesus told a parable about this person, this, this farmer that was sowing seed. And the disciples, being a bit like me, didn't understand it. So they came to Jesus and they said, can you explain this parable to us? So, he, so Jesus, in Mark chapter 4, verse, 30, uh, verse 14, says this. The farmer, or the sower, sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. 
Others, like seeds sown on the rocky places, they hear the word and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble and persecution come, they fall away quickly because of the word. Not because of the circumstance, but because of the word. Still others, like seeds sown amongst the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of the world, the, uh, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word and makes it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and it produces a crop. Hallelujah. 30, 60, or even 100-fold on what was sown. Again, I truly believe that this is not specifically a scripture about evangelism. It's not. It's helpful in that regard. But understand this. Jesus is very clear. The soil is the soil of our heart. And every word that we hear from God will fall into our heart and will our heart will be one of those soils each time God speaks. The path. The word comes snatched immediately. It's gone. It's lost. It's gone. Stony. Hear the word. Get all excited. But then the trouble comes and you think, oh, I don't know about that. Thorns. Worries of the world. Chokes. Restricts. No, we... We trust God's word, but as, the, as, as all those pressures come, it can choke the word. And it can still have some effect, I believe, but can't have the full fruitful effect. We had potatoes. We planted potatoes in the allotment last year. And you plant them, and it all looking lovely. And as, the, and as the potatoes come up, so the thorns came up. And we had a bit of a crop, but it was nothing compared to the chap next door. They'd had all the thorns out. Finally, a good soil. It's what produces the harvest. Interesting point here. The size of the harvest is God's responsibility. We don't have to strive for 50% or 100%. It says God gives the increase. It says that further on in the New Testament. God gives the increase. Let him worry about the size of the harvest. We just have to broadcast the seed and receive it in good soil. So whenever you hear something from the Bible, you hear a prophetic word, you hear the tongues, interpretations this morning, I guarantee there will be a reaction in your heart. People this morning, ah, that wasn't, that wasn't proper, that wasn't a real one. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Let's think back. You know, what have we done this year? What have we done this year in this church? We had a series on Matthew, didn't we? We trawled through the DVDs. We had uh, Angela Kem, who came down here. We had the visions and values. I wonder if any of our hearts were a bit like a path. We've heard all this before, haven't we? Oh, dear. Matthew, how many times have we done this before? It's snatched. It's gone, brothers and sisters. Next, oh, Matthew, great stuff. Really going to go for what God is doing in this church now. I am so going to go for this. But then pressure comes in, trouble, hassle, and it just all melts away. 
Uh, preaching on vision and values. Now, that was excellent. I really enjoyed that. That was absolutely brilliant. But you see, the problem is people in this church have no appreciation that it's tough out there. It's tough out there. I've got to pay my mortgage. My relationships, my relationships are strained. I'm, I'm under so much pressure. I'll come back to that when I'm ready. I'll, I'll sort of revisit that once that all gets sorted. It's just choked. It goes. Finally, I've heard the word. I accept it. Might have to work a few things through, but I accept it. You know what's going to come? What according to the word's going to come? Guaranteed fruitfulness. There's going to be a harvest. You know, we're, we're all friends here. A few enemies, maybe. <laughs> but we're all, ooh, we're, all fr- we're all friends here. And let's be honest. Now, let's be honest. We're family. We've gone through the vision and values, haven't we, recently? And we've had some pretty interesting responses, some pretty fervent responses to some of the things we've been doing as a church. Number one, be encouraged. It's caused a response. It's caused a response. What's going on? Vision and values, family zone? Come on, what's going on? Wow. Let me tell you, your heart is the soil. And the Bible says, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually, it's going to come out. In, uh, if you want a bit, of, bit more Christmassy story, in the, in the, when Jesus was born, he was taken to the temple after eight days to be dedicated. And he went into the temple, and there was an elderly man there called Simeon, who God had spoken to. And he said, Simeon, he said, you're going to see the Christ before you die. And there's Simeon, probably going around all these kids. Not that one. Not that one. Oh, it's a girl. Yeah. And... And Simeon, he, he, he speaks over Jesus and he says, because of Jesus, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You know, here comes, here, here comes the preacher's question. Have you had your heart revealed recently by the word? Have you thought, because the word has actually revealed what's in your heart? God's word for me Often it reveals to me that I actually have my own personal preferences. I wish we could do it this way, but the Word says we do it that way. I must submit myself to the Word of God because that's where life comes and that's where fruitfulness comes. Now, yes, we need to debate, we need to discuss. If we're not sure about things, we can chat to the elders. That's important and that's good. But ultimately, we need to be obedient to the Word of God if we want to see fruitfulness. So, you know, I've been a Christian now over 45 years. 45 years I've been a Christian. 46, actually. But I'll tell you this, there is no guarantee, there is no guarantee at all that I will be obedient to the next thing that God says. We have to be so careful, those of us that have been walking with the Lord, <laughs> supposedly, all these years, we have to be so careful, there is no guarantee we're going to be obedient to the next thing God says. We need to be very, very careful. Not in a fear way, but we just need to Check our spirits. We need to let God address us. And often we have to submit and humble ourselves again. Now, if you're, if you're a new Christian, or you, you want to find out, you, you come because you want to find out a little bit more about Jesus, you come to the right place, you know? God wants to encourage you to read the Bible. Maybe talk to Dave, John, maybe someone here that you trust and say, can you help me? Because I just open it and it's sort of gobbledygook. Get people to help you to read it. 
and to understand it. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and teach you as you open this book. Because God wants a relationship with you. Not only if you've only come to know him recently or you're inquiring, but if you've been a Christian 50 years, he wants a relationship with you. He wants, he does. He wants to know you personally. You know, if if what I say, if what's been preached over the last few weeks, if your Bible reading or whatever, if it's causing you to struggle, then remember this. Our God is a God of abundant grace. He always wants to draw people to himself. He's in the business of restoring people. Just simply bring your concerns to the cross. We sang it this morning. You know, whether you're a new Christian or you've known him many years, just bring it back to the foot of the cross. And, Julian, leave it there. Yes, sir. Don't go back and pick it up. So just summing up this bit. There is, and I say this with gentleness, I trust, there is a significant danger for those of us that have been Christians for a long time that God can start to highlight things from his word to us and, he, and, and as he draws us out of our comfort zone, we will refuse to respond to his word. Let's not be a people like that. Look at the world. What, where, where are we now? What season is it now? Nice, easy question. Winter. Okay, in June, what season is it? Okay, uh, let me think of another one. Uh, spring. Excellent. One left. The fall. Autumn, the fall. Four seasons. Who, who made the world? God. Okay, this, this, is, this is another easy question. This, now the, for this side. <laughs> Now for this side. So who made the seasons? Is God a God of order? This side. So is there a possibility that God is a God of seasons in how he speaks to us as a church as well? We can think, if I came today in a pair of shorts and my swimming trunks, yeah, it'd be fairly silly because it's cold. But I wouldn't come here in the middle of summer with 15 jumpers on like we've all got on today. (laughs) Because it's seasons, so we need to see the seasons. There's prophetic words in that, but let's hear what God is saying and move with the Spirit of God. If God is highlighting things to us through leadership, through the way we're going, then let's weigh that and let's go with what God is saying to us. Let's be a people that move in obedience and let's allow him, deep breath gulp, to challenge our individual comfort zones. Trust God. And humble yourself. Remember, you, you know we talk about God bringing resurrection. Well, for something to rise up, it's got to be dead in the first place. <laughs> Sometimes Julian doesn't really die. Still kicking and screaming a bit. We die and then God brings new life. Have you noticed in Kent this year, we've had a fantastic harvest. Have you noticed the apple trees? Cherry trees, quinces, um, the what are they called the, the medlars, lots and lots. There's been a lot of fruitfulness this this year. And I get on the train, I'm up to London, and there's some idiot in the field with a saw cutting all the branches off. What's wrong with him? We had tons of fruit from that tree, and now this silly man's cutting it all back. Why is he doing that? He's pruning it that it might bear. More fruit. Hey, successful Julian. Hey. Now going through the mill. Why? 
because God wants to hone and wants to prune that it might bring more fruitfulness. More fruitfulness. But we don't do that through happy phrases or thinking good thoughts. We only can live based on the word of God. It is the only way. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, this was a book, this is a book near the back of the Bible. Now, this was written to um, the Jewish people, basically, who had become Christians. And it was a, they were having a really, really tough time having to in, encounter some really difficult issues and situations. And the writer says these things to them in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13. So Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. He says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart, or thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. (laughs) That's not a scary thing, that's a blessed thing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Quite scary, isn't it? It is the word of God. This word of God is so sharp. We can have self-help books which can, you know, believe in yourself and everything, and there there can be a measure of help in those. But to build your life around the word of God, because when the shaking comes, and it will, this is what we hang on to, the truth of the word of God. Speak out God's word. Meditate on it. That means kind of chew it over. Think about it as you're going round Morrison's, as you're taking the dog for a walk. Just think about God's, God's word. Because this word has something to say about every situation and circumstance that you face. Oh, coffee and chaos, mum. <laughs> this Bible, it talks about the future. Worried about the future? It talks about fear. It talks about sin, pain temptation, family, all the naughty stuff, money, relationships. It's all God has something to say on all of these issues. So that's the word of God. Now secondly, as we read in 1 John, the word of God is the word, and also the word of God became flesh, i.e. Jesus. Remember we talked about Genesis earlier on? The very beginning of time. In Genesis, God says, let us make man in our own image. He doesn't say, I'll make man. He said, let us. That is, quick swig of water. Cheers. Good Lord, that's not water. (laughs) Remember, God is God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the three in perfect union, let us make man in our image. Jesus, the word of God, is an integral part of the Godhead. And Jesus shows the nature and the characteristics of God when he was here on earth. So if you're still in Hebrews, just flip over the page back to the very first chapter. In the first three verses are very important verses. I mean, the whole book's good. <laughs> but these are very significant verses. 
Remember, it's talking to the people who were God's people. So they had a kind of a God map. They had a God understanding in their head. And this is what the writer said. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Give me a name. Jesus, that's right, same guy. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. All made through Jesus, the Godhead, three in one, perfect union. The Son, Jesus, get this, is the radiance, the radiance of God's glory, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We sang, you you laid aside your majesty. He laid it aside. He came to earth with flesh as a man. He went through all the stuff in the world you go through, but living a perfect life. And then he died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead. In fact, Jesus had so much faith, because he'd said earlier, I can lay my life down, or I can take it up again. And he never did that. Because the Bible says God raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing? What faith our precious Saviour had. So Jesus shows God's heart and God's nature. Again, in, don't worry about this one, Helen. Back again in, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the very beginning. See, God made man. Man fell. Man got it wrong. Man sinned. Man went his own way. But even then, God had a rescue package in place, which was to send his son as a sacrifice to die on the cross for us, as it were, to build a bridge that we could get back to God. No good works or giving to charity or being nice to your mum could ever get you back to God only through God dealing with the sin and the darkness in our life. That's what created the bridge, which came from God's side to us. (laughs) Ever noticed anything about Jesus when he grew up? He was born, wasn't he? How old was he at his next birthday? One? Okay. (laughs) This is where my dyslexia doesn't kick in. How old was he at his next birthday? Okay. Now, when he was 12, how old was he at his next birthday? What sort of age did Jesus start his ministry? Not a trick question. About 30, yeah. What happened in between? He grew up. He grew up and became a carpenter. He grew up, that's right. He grew up. I think the word said it says in the favour. He grew up in the favourable sight of God and man. That speaks to me about a word beginning with C, which is a very nasty word called character. Even Jesus had his character hone, even though he was perfect. You say, oh, Julian, that's a bit off, isn't it? You know, he was a son of God. He was a son of God. Did you know that God even disciplined his own son, who had never done anything wrong? That's a bit weird. Isn't discipline slapping your kids? See how the world has warped our mind? They're supposed to discipline their kids, but they discipline them according to the word of God. And that's not based through hitting or belting. That's through example. 
and through loving and through working side by side. You know, we sing that song about we worship at your footstool. And I always in the past had a vision that, Lord, I want to sit at your footstool. I had a vision that I was sort of sitting by Jesus, looking longingly into his eyes, and it was all wonderful. It doesn't mean that at all. When, when the son sat at the father's seat at the throne, he was watching his father giving out justice, instructing the courtiers, dealing with business. He was learning at his father's footstool. It wasn't just some wonderful, oh, I huggy, 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 48 hours a day. He was learning. He was being instructed. So let's have a look. Staying in, staying in Hebrews, if we turn to Hebrews 12, chapter 5. This gives a little bit more insight into this. Oh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. How are we doing? Nearly there. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, it says this. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes every son he accepts. Um, everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? The English Standard Version says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor weary when he reproves you. When reproved by him, sorry. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Hallelujah. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Nick and I were chatting earlier today and we were just saying, you know, there's a lot of pressure in this world, isn't there? Those of you that are working, there is a lot of pressure. Increased demands in the workplace increased expectation, reduced funding, more demands. I don't know what the the count is for the number of jobs that David has to quote for and spend hours, him and Margaret, writing it all up, and then they never get the job. The, The workplace is a tough place. Maybe you're struggling with health issues and you're worried about, will my pension survive? You know, there's there's a lot of pressure in this world. It's anxiety. And it can rob us of the joy. And it can draw us away from God's word, the worries of the world. Years ago, it was a deceitful riches, wasn't it? Lots of money flashing about. Now it's the worries of the world. They can pull us down and we can quickly get drawn into conversations. Can't we in the tea room or at the bus stop? Oh, it's terrible today, this government. Oh, dear. We can get drawn into that so quickly. But what does the word say? He'll never leave us. He will even prepare a table in the wilderness for us. If there's nothing, he will even prepare a table for us. Don't ask me how. He managed to keep one and a half million alive on quail and manna for a long time, didn't he? Forty years. But it's tough. The world is a tough place. And I think it's important sometimes as a church we recognise it's not just all glory. It is tough. But that's the reality of the world we're living in. But we have Jesus and we have the word of God. That is a comfort in times of difficulty and struggle. Even recently, I picked Julia up from work and I'm in the car in tears, nearly broken by some things that are going on. 
It's so unfair. In tears. I don't know where to turn. But even then, and Julie will testify, I said, but I still believe God's word is true. I still believe that Jesus is faithful. I still believe that he's a father, and I'm dealing with him, not with the enemy. It's my father. And if this is God's way of pruning me, I don't like it. I don't, I don't. But I know he's a good father. It's not nice. But don't know, don't know why, but he prunes us so that we can grow. We can bear more fruit. If there's less of Jesus, uh, less of Julian and more of Jesus, this church will feel a lot quicker. <laughs> Lord, that you have to increase and I have to decrease. So Jesus is an anchor in uncertain times. And reading God's word is a source of encouragement to us. And it gives us God's perspective. Anyone ever here ever had a really nasty letter? I know the church leaders would if they always get them. Anyone here ever had, is it only me? Anyone had a really nasty, yeah, Derek was a church leader, Steve was a church leader. Yeah, here we go, yeah, Fred, oh, they're all coming out the womb. A really nasty, vitriolic letter. Well, in the Bible, there was a king, and he lived in a city and had all the walls around it. And this other nasty guy came to try and overrun the city. And he came, and, and, and his envoy came, and he was outside the palace, and he was shouting, he was out shouting over the wall in the language of the people so they could understand You've had it. We're going to have you. You're all going to die. The king doesn't know what he's doing. And he wrote him a letter. And it absolutely laid him waste. And the king received this letter, broken and distraught. You know what he did with the letter? He didn't go and open a bottle of wine and go, blooming marvellous, isn't it? He spread the letter out before the Lord. Many, many, many years ago, I had a filthy letter that came to me at work. Um, where I was many, many years ago. And it came, wet, miserable Monday morning, nothing to look forward to, classic time. And there I'm about, oh, quarter past eight, in the office, I opened this letter, thinking it was a card saying, thank you for the lovely day you gave us last week. And it was full of vitriol and insults and accusations. And as hard as it was, I, just, I literally just put it on the table. I said, Lord, do you want to have a look at this? Look. Now, I still had to work it through. It was still difficult. But I tell you, a few months later, that person wasn't kind of around anymore. You know, it, it's, it's good. Because the Bible tells us we can do that. We can spread things before the Lord. We can lay things before the Lord. And here's the great encouragement. Jesus walked this earth. He understands. He came as a man. He didn't just send this down and say, hey, live by that and see how you get on. I'll see you at Armageddon if you're lucky. Come back to heaven and cuddle a panda with me. No. He came himself and he understood the pain and, and, and the trauma that we can go through and an awful lot more worse that we can never know that he endured. God understands. He lived and died and rose again for us. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. We're nearly done now. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, to receive mercy 
and grace to help in time of need. God's invitation. Grace is available. You know the um, Harry Potter books? They, they come out, they have a set date when Harry Potter books come out. They're going to come out on the 1st of February. And on the news, they show you on the television, on the 31st of January, thousands of children all queuing upside foils, bookshop and so forth, up till midnight. And then they open the doors and all the kids race in and get a book. But in some of the biggest bookshops, people like J.K. Rowling are there. And she sits the kids down and she reads the book to them. And that has more impact than you reading the book to the child because she knows the book. She knows the character. You know, Steve might be away at City Church one Sunday and, you know, I play one of his songs and it's biblical and it's good and it's all about Jesus and it's great. But when Steve sings it, he's got a connection because he wrote it. It came from his heart. And this book was written by our God. And he has given us one of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. And he can teach us. We can say, Lord, here's your Bible. And as I read it this morning, help me, teach me, unpack your word to me. As I said about three years ago, the book of Proverbs, which is right in the middle, just after Psalms, is full of some really great sayings. 31 books, 31 days of a week. In January, if you don't know what to do with your Bible, I invite you, read a chapter of Proverbs a day. You don't have to. If you miss a day, it doesn't matter. If you only get as far as nine, it doesn't matter. You'll find it's packed with truth, really relevant to relationships, work, difficulty, money, um, alcohol, noisy neighbours. It's all in there. It's the Word of God. and We can base our lives on the Word of God. And finally... John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says this, But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a man about 100 years ago called Oswald Chambers, a godly man, and he wrote this about that verse. He said, Is my knowledge of Jesus born of an internal spiritual perception Or is it only what I have learned by listening to others? Have I something in my life that connects me with the Lord Jesus as my personal saviour? All spiritual history must have a personal knowledge for its bedrock. To be born again means I see Jesus. My invitation to you today, if you've known God for a long time, then just allow the plumb line of his word just to run through your life. Just reflect on what John and David, where they've been leading us this year. And just check that your heart is right with them and with the word that God is speaking to us as a church. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're still learning about him and trying to find out about him, you can receive him. It's all of his grace. You can receive Jesus. It's a personal decision and it will change your life. Master Chef Greg, it'll change your life, yeah? Knowing Jesus will change your life. It will cost you everything. Pride, especially chaps. (laughs) It'll cost you everything, but it'll be the best thing you've ever done. Even today, this afternoon, this evening as you line your bed, you can say, Jesus, 
I know I need you. Come into my life. Be my saviour. Fill me with your spirit. Add me to your body. I want to know more about you. Should we pray? Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you have begun a good work in every one of my friends here today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring that work to its completion for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your attention. We have tea and coffee and the you-know-what facilities just through there. Thank you.